Well, Sagemont, it is good to be with you today, wherever you are, around the city and around the state, around the country, around the world. Thank you for joining us. Um, we had to make the call two days ago to cancel our in-person services because of the increase in COVID cases, rapid increase here in Houston. And so um, we felt like that was the best thing for us to do is to meet online. Thank you for joining us today. <clears throat> if you're with me, <clears throat> I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. We're continuing our series through the Beatitudes, and I'm going to go ahead and just read this verse to you, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now listen, I don't know that you can say that any one Beatitude is more important than the other one's. Because with the exception of being poor in spirit, which is sort of our, gives us the ability to go to heaven, I think you could make a really strong argument that this might be it, that this might be the most important one. And I say that for two reasons. Number one is that you living out, or you striving to live out this beatitude will in many ways determine the quality, for lack of better words, the quality of your walk with Jesus Christ. There's a joy we're going to see this today. There's a joy and there's a beauty and there's a power that is available to you as a believer that can only be found when you walk in this beatitude that Jesus talks about. Second reason I think this might be one of the most important ones, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, that the beatitudes are like a chain where one beatitude leads to the next one, and you have to have that one in order to do the next one. And this particular beatitude is absolutely critical for you to live out the final two. Over the next two weeks, we're going to look at the beatitude that said, blessed are the peacemakers. And then the last one is going to be, blessed are those who are persecuted. And, and those two final Beatitudes are so difficult, they're so hard, they're so difficult to live out that you simply will not be willing to do them unless you're first walking in this one that Jesus talks about today. <clears throat> so let's jump in this thing and see why this one is so critical. So here it is, let's read this again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It just said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, Jesus said, you're blessed. <clears throat> you're fully satisfied that the highest form of human satisfaction, the highest ability that you have to experience blessing in this life is found when your heart is pure. Because he says, you're going to see God. Now, in order for us to understand what Jesus is saying here, you have to get your mind around what he means when he says your heart. What is this part of us that's supposed to be pure? Well, the word heart comes from the Greek word cardia, cardia. And through the entirety of scripture, the heart is used metaphorically to describe your inner person. And so Jesus is obviously not talking about your actual physical heart. But it's a word that means your inner desires. It's a word that means your inner personality. 
it's, it's a word that talks about who you are on the inside, okay? And Proverbs tells us this. It says that a man that thinks in his heart, so he is. <clears throat> so in other words, church, who you are on the inside is who you really are. And it's important to remember that, that when God is looking at you, when his eyes are on you, he first and foremost is not looking at your external behavior, but he's looking at your heart. And so what Jesus is telling us in this beatitude is what the condition of your heart should be. Now, he's teaching us here that if we want to see God, and I'm going to talk about what that means in a minute, that if, we, if you want to see God, then your heart, it must be pure. Now, what does he mean by that? What is this pure word that he says our hearts are supposed to be? Well, it's a Greek word that um, is a Greek word, katharos. And it carries with it the idea of being something that's been completely cleansed of dirt or impurities. Back in the day, if a silversmith was refining silver, what they did is they would put a fire underneath the silver and it would begin to grow hotter and hotter and the impurities would rise to the top. And then the silversmith would wipe the impurities off of the silver until it became katharos or pure. It's a word, and I want you to hear this. This is critical. It's a word that means unmixed. It's a, if, a, if a silversmith was trying to get a, a pure silver, it got rid of all the other elements that were in it until it was katharos. It was unmixed. It didn't have any impurities whatsoever. And so what Jesus is teaching us here today is that in order for you to see God, your heart, your inner being, who you really are, must be pure. It must be completely unmixed with any impurity. <clears throat> now, really quickly, let's, um, let's do a little theology here. And I want to talk quickly about what kind of purity that Jesus is talking about. Because there's two different types well, there's two different level, levels rather, of heart purity that a Christian can experience, okay? And so if you're taking notes today, the first type of heart purity that you can have is what's called positional purity. That's the first type of heart purity that you can have, positional purity. Now listen carefully. <clears throat> positional purity is the kind of purity that you receive at the moment of your salvation, at the, at the moment that you trust in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, every sin that you've ever committed and every sin that you will ever commit is completely and totally forgiven. And in the moment of your salvation, you are made absolutely pure in the sight of God. The scripture says that when you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, that he takes your sin and he removes it from you, and he throws it as far as the east is from the west, and that can never change. You can never lose that. That's positional purity. When God looks at you after you're saved, his, your position in front of him is pure. Now, but after you're given your positional purity, there's another kind of purity that Christians are called to pursue, and that's practical purity. It's practical purity. Now, even though our hearts are made pure and are made completely righteous in the sight of God at our salvation, what do we still do? We still sin. We still fall short of the glory of God. We fall back into other patterns of our old life and we pursue things other than God. And so practical purity, hear this, 
Practical purity is the kind of purity that you have to fight for every day of your life, even though you're saved. So there's an old, um, <clears throat> there's an old hymn, it's called Come Thy Fount, which describes this sort of pursuit, practical purity. It says, I'm prone to wonder. I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. So here's my heart, God, take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. He says, God, I'm prone to wonder. I love you, but I'm prone to leave you, the God I love. He said, so God, here's my heart. Take and God, seal it. Seal it for your courts above. That is, is the longings of someone that is, that is crying out for practical purity. Okay, so positional purity, one last time here, is given to you once and all at your salvation, but practical purity is what you strive for every single day of your life so that you can live out what you already are in God's sight. Okay, now, when Jesus says your hearts are are to be pure. You're, you're to have a pure heart. Again, he's not talking about positional, he's talking about practical purity, the kind of purity you fight for every single day. And so there's a, there's a story that I talked about a couple of weeks ago that uh, does a great job of showing us what a mixed heart looks like. And that's the story of the rich young ruler. <clears throat> Just go through it really quickly, again, if you missed it. This rich young guy walks up to Jesus and he asked the question, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, how can I inherit Eternal life, how can I go to heaven? And then Jesus interestingly says, well, you gotta keep the commandments. And the guy got excited. He's like, sweet, I've, I've done that. I've done that my, my whole life. I've kept all the commandments. And then Jesus said something interesting to him. He said, you know what? There's actually one thing that you lack. He said, go and sell all your possessions. And give them away to the poor. And he said, then you'll have treasure in heaven and you'll live. And then I want to read to you what happened, how the rich young guy responded in Matthew 19, 22. He said, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, church, did you see what Jesus just did? Did you see what he just did? Even though the rich guy loved God, even though the rich guy was keeping the Ten Commandments, Jesus revealed to him that he had a mixed heart. Part of his heart loved God, but part of his heart loved money just as much. And so Jesus looks at this guy and says, hey, if you want to follow me, I want all your heart. If you want to follow me, that's amazing, but I want you to give me all of your heart. Okay, now, <clears throat> let me just stop and, and say this. In my opinion, this fight for practical purity, this fight for um, an unmixed heart might very well be one of the greatest challenges facing our generation today. Because we have a really bad habit of resting on the laurels of our positional purity. And here's what I mean by that. We know that God has completely forgiven us of our sins, right? We know that we're righteous um, in his sight, and so we don't take that personal, practical purity um, the way that we should. I, I'm, I fear that we're a generation of believers that are really bad about giving parts of our heart to God. 
but at the same time reserving parts of our heart for other people and places and things and passions. And so even though the Lord has completely forgiven us of our sin, there's a lot of us that are walking around with a mixed heart. And church, the implications of that are enormous. Because if you're a Christian today that is walking around with an impure heart, if you're walking around with a mixed heart, if you're walking around with a heart that's giving parts of your heart to the Lord and parts of your heart to other things, then you are missing out on what might be the greatest blessing available to you this side of heaven. So Jesus tells us if, if you're a believer, <clears throat> as a believer, to constantly be striving for this unmixed heart that is singularly focused on him, and then he makes the claim that you will see God. That you'll see God. Now, what in the world does that mean? What does he mean that if we have this unmixed heart, that if we just give our hearts completely to him, that we're gonna see God? What's he mean? Well, he's obviously not saying that if our hearts are pure, we're gonna literally see the face of God, and we know that from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Moses was talking to the Lord one day, and he said, God, I want to see your glory. In other words, he said, God, I've been hanging out with you, and this is amazing, sort of in your presence, but God, I want to see your glory. It literally means, God, I want to see your face. And you remember what God said to Moses in Exodus 33, 20. God said, you cannot see my face. Moses, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And so the Lord said to Moses, Moses, I'm so holy. I'm so transcendent. I'm so beautiful. I'm so majestic. I'm so powerful, Moses, that if I, if I show you my face, you will die. And so what in the world does Jesus mean? That if we strive for personal purity, that if we have this unmixed heart, that we're going to see God. Now, it means three things today. It means three things. Jesus is telling us that there's three implications of a pure heart. Three things are going to happen in our life if we have a pure heart. Here they are. We're going to go through them quickly and we'll be done today. Here's the first one. <clears throat> Seeing God means you'll experience his current presence. Seeing God means you're going to experience his current presence. Seeing God means that you will, too, experience his current power. You'll experience his current power. And finally, seeing God means that you will receive his future reward. Let's look at that first one together. What do I mean by the fact that seeing God means you'll experience his current presence? Okay? Well, the answer to that question is found in the word see. What exactly does Jesus mean when he says you're going to see God? Understanding what he says there in the word see is critical. Well, there's a couple of different words in the Greek language that get translated into see. I want to talk for a second about a word that Jesus doesn't use here. One word in the original language that gets translated to see is a word that simply means that you see something, um, you, you, you sort of notice it, but you just move on. It's a word that means you, you see something, but it really doesn't mean anything to you. It, it, it doesn't cause you any sort of pause or any internal or external reaction. I mean, think about it. You and I literally drive down the road every day, and we see with our eyes thousands of things that never mean anything to us. They, we never give a second thought to. There's a word in the Greek that means seeing, and that's what it means. That's not the word that Jesus uses here, okay? Um, 
the word that Jesus uses when he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God is a much stronger word. It's a much more critical word. It's a Greek word, optonomai. It's a very specific kind of seeing. And it means that when you see something, what you see is so profound, what you see is so beautiful, what you see is so amazing that it stops you in your tracks and you're forced to focus on it. That's the word that Jesus uses. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about the, the first day of my sophomore year at Texas A&M University. I was in the Corps Cadets and I was walking to class that day and I was walking to history class, eight o'clock class. It's a miracle that I made it there. I was walking to class, and on the way, I saw dozens of girls. I saw lots of girls, and none of them I paid any attention to. I saw them, but I didn't stop on my tracks. I saw them, but I didn't pay attention to them. I saw them, but they meant nothing to me. But that morning, when I walked into history class, I saw, for the very first time, Jennifer Sarah Nicholson which was my future wife. And when I saw her in that moment, it produced in me something different. I didn't just move on. I didn't just kind of go on with my life. But when I saw her, it stopped me in my tracks and she took my breath away. That's the type of seeing that Jesus is talking about here. It's the type of seeing that when you see something, it causes you to stop and be in absolute awe of what you're seeing. Now, church, listen really carefully here, because this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that when your heart is solely occupied by him, and it's not, you're not giving parts of your heart to some other passion, or some other person, or some other thing, that that purity of heart, listen, What Jesus is saying is that purity of heart allows you to experience God in a way that stops you in your tracks and will produce in you this sort of eyes wide open, jaw dropping, awe inspiring kind of encounter. Jesus is teaching us here that if your heart is pure, that if you have this sort of practical purity in your life, that you're not going to see his face, but you're going to, listen, you're going to experience his presence in the fullest possible way here on this planet, this side of heaven. Okay? Blessed are the optonomai in heart. Blessed are the pure, the unmixed in heart, for they're going to experience Experience God in the fullest way possible this side of heaven. And if that is true, then the opposite of that is also true. If you have a mixed heart, you're not going to see God. If you have an impure heart, you're not going to experience God to the fullest way possible. You might notice him, but it's not going to produce in you this awe-inspiring seeing that is only available to the pure in heart. So let me give you an illustration here of sort of what this looks like, help us get our minds around it. Years ago, our 10-year anniversary, Jennifer and I went to Hawaii to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And we landed and got in the car and went to our hotel. And when we got to the hotel, we do what you go, you know, when you first get to your room, you open up the blinds to see what your view looks like. And Jennifer and I opened up the blinds and what we saw was amazing. There was a mountain range that kind of went out 
um, that we could see that just went on for miles and miles. And it was this lush, emerald green. It was, it was waterfalls and valleys and mountains. It was absolutely stunning and beautiful and incredible. And we were like, wow, that's really cool. But then as we were standing there, a rainbow formed right over the mountainside. We were standing there and this, this rainbow just Perfectly crystal clear rainbow formed above us. And and, and, in church, it absolutely just blew our minds. We were having one of those optonomai kinds of experiences. We saw it and we were stunned. It stopped us in our tracks. We were standing there in this speechless awe at the beauty that was right in front of us. And so we were just looking at each other, didn't know what to say. And this is unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, we hear this sort of screaming and hollering and kind of a playful sound below us. And we look down below us in the hotel and there was a basketball court that was below us. And in the basketball court, there was all these kids that were playing basketball down below us. And here's the thing that I noticed. Is that at not one time in the course of when those guys were playing basketball that they ever stop and look up and see this unimaginable beauty that was available for them to see if they just stopped playing basketball. But they never did. In the course of them playing, they might have noticed that there was one of the most beautiful rainbows in the history of the world that was in front of them, but they never stopped playing. They never saw the beauty. And why did they not see it? It's pretty simple. They were playing basketball. Their attention was being occupied by something else. And so while they might have noticed the beauty, they did not experience the beauty that was right in front of them. And Sagemont, that is what Jesus is saying here, are the implications of an impure heart. Is that if your heart is mixed, if your heart is impure, your heart's attention is gonna get focused in other people, places, or things, and you're gonna miss out on the unbelievable beauty and majesty that's right in front of you. But if you're pure in heart, you're going to see God. You're going to experience him. And so let me just ask you a couple of questions today to sort of help you get to the bottom of where you're at with this. Let me ask you this. Has your personal worship become boring? Has your time with the Lord become maybe a little bit stale? When was the last time that you got alone with God in his word and in prayer and, and you so encountered his presence that you so had this optonomai experience with God that it produced in you this sort of fall on your face, heart swollen, tears coming out of your eyes, awe of him. When's the last time that happened? Has it been a while? If it's been a while, that very well may be because you have a mixed heart and you're not experiencing the Lord. What Jesus is promising you guys is that if if we go all in, that if we really do say, Lord, here's my heart, take and seal it. If we really get to the place where we say, God, I surrender all. If we lay down all those little G gods that are sitting on parts of our heart, the promise of the scripture is that you're going to see him, that you're going to experience him and all his beauty and majesty, and your personal worship is going to be a lot of things, but I promise you it will not be boring. Now, what about corporate worship? 
What about worship here at, at church, here at Sagemont? Are you noticing God? Are you just sort of seeing him and moving on? Or is your corporate worship producing this optonomai, awe-inspiring encounter with the fullness of his presence? Now listen, I know you guys don't know me very well. And because of COVID-19, I haven't been able to meet as many of you as I would like to have. Uh, like to have. And, um, but if it's okay, as your pastor, I want to challenge us a little bit just in this area of our church. As a new guy at Sagemont, there's something that I've noticed. And here's what I've noticed. Is that we have a little bit of an identity crisis when it comes to corporate worship here at Sagemont. A little bit of an identity crisis when it comes to worship in this room together. We've got young folks. They're not sure about the more traditional style. They're not sure about the hymns. They're not sure about the piano and all that stuff. You got the older generation that's not so sure about the contemporary thing and, you know, the drums and the guitar and all that. We've got folks from different cultures and different backgrounds. And here's the thing. We all sort of like what we like. And I want you to know that I get that. I get it. There's actually nothing wrong with that. There's, there's kinds of worship and there's kinds of music that are our heart music. And when we hear our heart music and we, we hear that heart worship, it's going to make it easier for us to worship the Lord. And so I want you to know that I get that. And that's a very real issue and concern. But here's what I've sort of found and here's what I've discovered in my own life. As a guy that's pastored and, and, and attended traditional and contemporary worship services and traditional and contemporary churches, here's what I've sort of found in my life is that when I'm walking in purity of heart, when I'm walking with an unmixed heart and I've been encountering God in a way that is producing in me this sort of speechless awe, and Monday through Saturday, if I've been walking in a purity of heart and I've been encountering him on a daily basis in the fullness of his presence, when I come here on a Sunday church, it doesn't matter what we're singing. You can't stop me from worshiping him. Can't stop me. I've actually been experiencing the presence of the living God on Monday through Saturday. It wouldn't matter if I was in a cathedral with a pipe organ and stained glass and some dude in a three-piece suit swinging his arms around or if Dudu was up on the stage jumping around and going crazy. Church, he's too beautiful. He's too majestic. He's too amazing. He's too awe-inspiring for my attention to be focused on anything other than him when I've been in his presence. Seriously, think about this. I might get in trouble for this one, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Think about this. I want you to imagine it's the first day in heaven and Jesus has come back and all the nations are before him and he's separated the sheep from the goats and the goats are gone and it's just the sheep and we're with Jesus in glory and it's our first morning that we're worshiping Jesus. And we're going after it. We're in the presence of the living God. He's on the throne and we're worshiping him. And we get done with worship that morning and we go back to our mansions. Do you really think, do you really think that when you get back to your mansion, that you're gonna sit down and write God an email and say, God, you know, I love you. God, I love heaven. 
But you know that one song we sang, God, holy, 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 we just kept repeating the chorus over and over and over again. Not, not, not a big fan of that song. Or, or do you think you'll sort of sit down and write God a letter saying, God, uh, heaven's amazing, it really is. I love heaven and, and worship's great, but that rainbow over your throne, it was a little bright, it was a little distracting. I just I couldn't really focus on you. The, the pills of thunder and the lightning were sort of getting my attention off of you. No, you're not gonna say that. I promise you, you're not gonna say that. I have this feeling, and maybe I'm wrong, but I have this feeling that when you're seeing God, None of that stuff's gonna matter. The promise of the scripture is that if you have a pure heart, you're gonna see God. So what if, as a church, we focus less on what kind of worship we like and we focus more on seeing God Monday through Saturday? I have a feeling that if we focus less on what kind of worship we like on Sunday and started focusing more on seeing God and experiencing God on Monday through Saturday, I think that God would absolutely blow this place up. No matter what kind of worship we had, if the presence of God is here and you've been filled with the presence of God all week long, I'm telling you, God's gonna move in power in this place no matter what we're doing. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. So that's number one. I'm gonna do number two really quickly. Number one, seeing God means you experience his current presence. And the second thing, seeing God means that you experience his current power. I'm gonna do this one really fast, so listen carefully. It means you're gonna experience his current power. Okay, seeing God doesn't just mean that you're gonna experience his presence, but it also means you're gonna experience his power. If you're in the presence of God, his power is gonna come out of you. It's gonna rub off on you and come out of your life. And so here's a question. Believer, are you experiencing the power of God in your life? Are you seeing the power of God come out of your life in a tangible way? Are you seeing your prayers answered? Is God using you to lead people to him? Is God igniting your spiritual gift that every believer has to to be used in powerful ways for his glory in the church and in the community? Are you seeing his power through your life? And if the honest answer is no, that might very well be because you have a mixed heart. Second Chronicles 16.9, I want you to watch this, a famous verse. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. It says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support, who's he supporting strongly? says that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That's an amazing verse that right now, that right now the eyes of God are moving back and forth throughout the earth. He is looking at us. He is looking for us. And he is looking for someone whose heart is completely his. And when he finds someone, when he sees someone, that their heart, it belongs to me. It's completely mine. God says, I'm going to come and I'm not just going to support him, but I'm going to strongly support him. 
And so if you're not seeing the power of God in your life and through your life, it might be as simple as that your heart is mixed. He's looking for us. He's looking for people that say, God, here's my heart, here's all of it, and he just goes to work in you and through you. Last one. Seeing God means you will experience his current presence in the fullest way possible when you have a pure heart. Seeing God means you're going to experience his current power. Your heart's pure. You're not just going to see his presence, but you're going to experience his power in your life. And then the last one, seeing God means you will receive his future reward. You will receive his future reward. And so when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they're going to see God, there's this present right now promise and reality, which means you're going to experience his presence and his power, but there's also a future promise. And there's a future reality to this verse. And I'm almost done, so listen carefully. We're never going to be perfect in this life. That's also a promise of the scripture. Is that we're never going to be absolutely perfect and never going to be absolutely sinless in this life. And for those of us, though, that are believers that have been made positionally pure, made righteous in the sight of God. And then every day of our lives, we strive for personal purity. We strive for an unmixed heart. We strive for a pure heart. You're gonna live your life, and at some point in the future, you're gonna breathe your last breath, and you're gonna die. And the promise of the scripture for the believer, for the pure in heart, is that in that moment, that in the moment you breathe your last breath, you're going to be absent from the body and you're going to be present with the Lord. And for the first time, the scripture says that your faith is going to be made sight. Think about that. There's coming a day when you're going to be face to face with Jesus Christ and you're going to actually see God. Love the line of the old hymn that talks about that moment. It says, then the ransomed in glory. Then with the ransom in glory, his face, I at last shall see. It will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. So I'm singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Church, I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for that day. I cannot wait for that day. I can't wait for the day when I shed off this old, broken down body. I can't wait for the day where I'm completely holy and I never sin again. I can't wait for the day when I get to see all the old women that have gone before me that are waiting for me in glory. I can't wait for that day. But the thing that I want more than anything else and the thing that I long for more than anything else is to see Jesus. And to have him put his arms around me and to whisper in my ear, you made it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Church, that is the promise of the pure in heart.
And so I'll end today with a question. If you had an opportunity somehow just to talk to Jesus and him talk to you, and like the rich young ruler, he looked at you and said, you know what? There's one thing that you lack. What would that one thing be? Church, I don't care what that one thing is. Let it go. Lay it down. Walk away. And walk towards Jesus. Because I'm telling you, there is nothing that compares to seeing God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would sustain us in this world that seems to be falling apart until that day when we finally see your face. God, I have a feeling that in that day when we see you, when we're finally there, that all the suffering and all the troubles and all this junk that we went through, God, it'll it'll, it'll have been worth it. And so until that day, God, would you remind us that we're called to be a holy people, that you've made us holy by your blood, and so let us strive to be a holy people. You deserve it, God. You are the only one worthy of it. So God, remind us on a daily basis by your spirit, would you just prick our hearts every day. Remind us to be people that walk in holiness, God, because we want to see you. This world is ugly does not satisfy but you do God if there's any within the sound of my voice that has never been made holy by your blood if there's never if there's anybody in the room that's never had a time in their life where they said God right here right now I need you to forgive me of my sin and I'm yours all in I pray that they just do that really simply Father, I pray for believers whose hearts have been made righteous but have kind of been walking around with a mixed heart. Lord, I pray you give them the power today just to walk away from that stuff. And then, God, show them you so that they'll never walk back. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.